Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Under the Big Tree. I'm Troy, and today I have my wife, Teacher, with me. Hi, everyone. And we are excited that you were able to join us today. Before we get started, I just want to give out a couple quick shout-outs to our good friend, Charlie Clark. Uh, Charlie, we're glad that you are listening to us. We thank you for your listenership, if we want to use that as a word. <laughs> and also, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of New places that have picked us up. Uh, Albania is one. Awesome. South Africa yeah. has picked us up. And for some reason, Madrid, Spain. So a shout out to all the folks there Woo-hoo. in those areas. Yeah, the fig tree is growing. Amen. Amen. So this is a good thing. We are pretty excited about everything that God is doing with this ministry and everything that God is doing with us. Amen. I'm truly blessed to see the lives that we're touching and we're getting a lot of great feedback, and we're, we're excited about where God has taken us. Um, and we're excited about the conversation we're going to have today. So today's conversation, this is going to be really good. The Bible tells us this, that the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start talking about some of those weapons, specifically one today, that we typically don't weaponize, or we don't believe that we can weaponize. And that is our peace. Amen. And peace is, it sounds so funny, but peace can be a weapon. Peace is a weapon. And we need to learn how to fight from the standpoint of being in peace. What I found when I was looking into peace and doing our study on peace was how easy it was to use peace and how tangible it was and how prominent it was. You know, in Romans 14, 17, it says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So you have this kingdom that we're a part of, and you have this peace that we're supposed to be exhibiting and have. And what I see a lot of times in the body of Christ, or even amongst, you know, church people, that peace is like way in the background. Like we don't have a lot of peace and it's not something that I see that is very prevalent and we have to change that. Well, yeah, I think um, one of the things we necessarily, it is necessary for us to do is to understand what peace is and, and peace is not the absence of issues, the absence of situations, right. the absence of conflict. That's not what peace is. Right. What peace is, is a state of being even with those situations and with those conflicts and with those things, there's, there's a way that you, you operate. There's a way that you believe there's a way that you function, even when all this stuff is going on around you. And we have several good pictures of it in the word of God. Yeah. I, I, what kind of got my mind thinking on peace was Isaiah 26, three. And it says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee. And I remember growing up in the, uh, you know, in the word of God, and I would quote this scripture often, and I'd be like, okay, I got to keep my mind on Jesus. I got to keep my mind on Jesus to stay in perfect peace. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm in this fight to keep my mind on Jesus to stay in peace. But when I began to really understand what that meant and really how to abide in peace, it's not the effort of your mindset that keeps you in peace per se. It is the abiding in Christ the trusting and the knowing of him that actually facilitates that peace where peace becomes a lifestyle and your mind is already always on him because you're a spiritual being, no matter what you're doing. And what people fail to realize about peace is you grow into peace. You really do. It's one of the things that we look at in this walk that we have as believers 
none of this stuff is automatic. Yeah. And I think sometimes we paint a poor picture that once you get born again and you're a believer, then all this stuff is going to happen to you and for you. And there's no more work to be done. Right. And that's just not true. The Bible tells us this, that Jesus himself learned obedience. He learned. Yes. Jesus learned while he was here on the earth. Yeah. He lived life as a man and men learn. They learn how to be. So there was a process that even Jesus had where he had to learn how to be, learn how to be in peace, learn how to stay in peace. And all that came through uh, with fellowship with the father. I remember when I was young in the faith several years ago, and I used to pray all the time. This was a prayer point of mine. I said, God, I just want to be at the place called there. I prayed that all the time. And, you know, no, nobody knew my heart. It just me and God. I said, God, I want to be at the place called there where I abide, where I'm doing this, where it's not such a struggle. And when I matured in Christ, I realized there is no place called there. And if you ever arrive at there, then you're probably in pride. And you that really need to <laughs> revamp where there is. And so it took a couple of years, several years, for me to realize that there's no place called there, that it's an ever-present abiding in him. And I want to go back to Isaiah 26, 4, because 26, 3, I'm sorry, yep. perfect peace. Mm-hmm. When you look at that in the Hebrew, it's shalom, shalom. It's shalom, which is which means perfect peace. But they're saying it twice here. And I just thought that was very interesting because it's like God is emphasizing, I am keeping you no matter what is happening. I have peace in your coming, peace in your going. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the God that surrounds you. I am the God of your peace, and I'm keeping you in that perfect peace, whether it's your finances, your life, your health, your circumstances, all that's pertaining to you, the house of you. You know, a lot of times in the Bible, they talk about the house of David or the house of this person. Well, that's everything pertaining to that person. And so God is encompassing you in that peace whose mind has stayed on him. So when you look at that too, there's a couple things there that stick out. Um, I guess this word the teacher in me comes out. I don't know. When you say shalom, shalom, it was a, a way that the Jews would emphasize the magnitude of something as they would repeat it. So it's not just peace, but there's a greater peace. Yeah. Right. This was a term they used. So being repetitive showed the magnitude of something, which incidentally, when you look at the four living creatures around the throne, they they repeat holy, 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 because wow. once you say it the third time, it can get no greater than that is what they're doing. So it's a repetitive, it's all, it's a Jewish idiom is what it is. And as you repeat something, the, the magnitude of that becomes more great. But also, this is something we have to remember too. When it says perfect peace, even reading it on the surface level, we in the Western world, we have a, an idea of perfection, which really, we say it's Western. I think it was derived from the Greeks, passed on to the Romans. But perfect doesn't mean without flaw. Mm. That's more of a Western way of thinking. Really what that perfection is, what the perfection is, is a maturity. That's good. So now, now your faith is matured. Mm. When your mind is stayed on him, he will mature your peace is what he's saying. That's what the perfection is. It's not sense of no error, no flaw, no nothing. We have to think and be able to understand what the hearers were hearing hearing yeah. at the time, you know. So, And that's what that term is. It's not perfection like we think perfection. It's a maturing. That's that good piece. because that's what I learned over time, that things happen over time, and that this peace that we're pursuing will build and build more and more. I want to bring out Romans 8, 6. It says, For to set the mind 
on the flesh's death. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. For to set the mind on the flesh's death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And I like this version because it talks about setting the mind. It's the intentionality of pursuing a thing until it becomes that place of growth and maturity in you. So peace, along with every other thing that we're trying to understand and comprehend in Christ, takes effort to know what you become aware of and what you steward is what you'll have. And so as you become more aware of God's peace, you become more aware that hey, this piece is for me, this piece is in operation, and I can win the battle, I can operate in this piece, I don't have to get upset because this happened, because I have the Prince of Peace living on the inside of me. And what I love about that passage, Romans 8 is one of the most important passages for the believer, because now you're talking about living in peace, but the first step to living in peace is there is therefore now. No, no condemnation to those good. that are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And that's what I have. So we, we learn to live in the spirit. There's peace there living in the spirit. Why? Because there's no condemnation there yeah. if you're in Christ. And I, I think that's a beautiful point to bring out just to be able to recognize this gift of peace before we even weaponize this thing. Right. Just understanding exactly. that it is a gift. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't. It belongs to you now. It's just part of, of the gift part of God's goodness when he bestowed his goodness on us part of his goodness was giving us his peace amen and if we receive it as a gift then we'll we should treasure it as a gift absolutely and facilitate it as such and that's why you can leave your peace with people you know the bible always talks about leaving your peace well it's a gift and and Jesus said you know he was talking and and I'm paraphrasing here but he said if they reject you in in a sense take your peace with you if they're not receiving the gospel take your peace with with you. you it's your gift You don't have to give that peace out. And I think that's so profound (laughs) that if they're rejecting Christ in a sense and the gospel, they're rejecting that perfect peace. They're rejecting the peace that Jesus paid for through his blood. They're rejecting what God has given them in order to function. And I really do feel that a lot of society, people of this world, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for peace. They're searching. And when you have that inward searching in you and it's never filled... You, it's like you're never satisfied. Well, we see that with a lot of folks and not to offend or to make people feel bad or to condemn. But this is one of the reasons you see people struggle so much with their identity. Yeah. They want to make changes to their bodies. They want to make changes to their lifestyle yeah. because they don't recognize they're, they're searching for peace. And the peace that they're looking for is only found in Jesus. Yeah. You won't find it anywhere else. And they try to do all these different things, thinking that's what's going to bring them. Here's what he's telling me now. They call it happiness. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for something to make me happy. This is what they call it. They call I'm looking for happiness. Well, really, they're searching for is peace. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what they're looking for. Yeah. And the happiness is futile. We we know that. And it's in, in, in happiness causes you to chase and chase and chase and chase where peace causes you just to be. That's beautiful. Peace is fulfilling. It fulfills you. It's satisfying. And when you find yourself in a situation, like a wondering in your spirit, like, ah, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know where to go. I just don't know how to fix this thing. Let peace be the umpire of your soul. 
Oh, that's a good way Do to say Do you it. know that that is a weapon just operating from the place of peace, that you're letting that be an umpire to your soul. You're letting it say one, two, three, you're out. You're letting it tell you when to run, when to go. You know, if you're thinking about a baseball game, you're looking at it from the place of this is my referee. This is the thing that is telling me. And it's the inward witness of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, pay attention to the places you have peace because we can avoid a lot of conflict if we would listen to that inward witness of the Holy Spirit telling us that, huh, you know what? I don't want you to do that today. Yeah. We override it in simple things. I have overwritten it in watching TV. Yeah. And it happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. You're just like the Lord saying, why don't you pull away from that? Make this your last episode. Like for me, I'm cooking shows. <laughs> so I'm watching <laughs> a cooking show and this needs to be your let or he'll say, cut it off. And you're like, oh, I just want to see the end of this. Who wins this? And yeah. you override it. And it's like a nails almost on a chalkboard ever so slightly that you feel. And so if you continue to override that on a consistent basis, guess what? It goes away. Cause Jesus is letting you, you're choosing something. I had a wonderful man of God years ago. One thing he used to tell me all the time, follow after peace. I think he said that to you too, follow yeah, after peace. Pastor, Pastor Craig, Yeah, and, if he and, ever listens. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if Pastor Craig ever listens, I appreciate that because that's one of those lifelong lessons yeah. that I will never forget. And I remember how he would describe it. You know, when you're making a decision, you follow after the peace, the peace of God. You know, you know that you're in the right place. He said, on the opposite side of that, you have this yuck feeling. Yeah, is the way he used to describe yeah. it. There's this yuck feeling. You're like, yeah, I'm going to decide to do this, but you just have this feeling in your gut like, yeah, this doesn't feel right. That's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. And really what we need to do is learn how to follow after peace. We have to know what peace feels like, what it sounds like. Whether we want to believe it or not, peace is tangible. Yeah, it is. But we need to know what it feels like to be at peace. One of the things that we have to do in order to feel like we're at peace is we have to make sure that we're fostering a peaceful environment, a place where peace can come and rest. Amen. Amen. When you were saying um, about knowing what peace is, well, Jesus words bring peace. John 16, a says, I have said these things to you. I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. He said, I have said these things. I have spoken this word to you. All these things I have told you. He was telling the, the disciples right before his death, all these wonderful things. To them, it probably wasn't as wonderful because he's telling them I'm leaving them. But he's saying, I'm telling you this so that when these things occur, you can have peace. Why can we have peace? Because the Lord God Emmanuel is with us. We know that he will never leave us and forsake us. And so we can take his word and rest in it. And abide in it. You know, I was the Lord was talking to me this morning about John 15 and reminding me of John 15. He is the vine. Everything you need is in him. Everything. Everything you need is in him, including peace. And as long as you're connected to the vine, you're going to display the fruits. You're going to display the peace. You're going to have the peace. You know that you're disconnecting from the vine when you're, when you're not in peace. You know that, that there's warfare going on when the enemy is trying to sever you as the branch from the vine. He can try that in your thoughts. He can try that in situations. Sure. He can try that in tests and trials. He comes to sever that peace. And you know right there at that point of severing, he's coming against you. That's the warfare. 
that's the place where you have to make sure that you're still connected to the vine, that you're not being cut away from anything other than God. If God's doing the pruning, you're good. If anything else is trying to cut you away, your thoughts, your emotions, your will, your situation, your test, your trial, then you know that you've got to say no to that and, and come back into the vine and make sure that your connection is sure. The, the vine is one of my favorite things where Jesus calls himself and us being the branches. When he's saying that, he's saying, look, I can sustain myself. <laughs> That's yeah. what he's saying. Yeah. I can, I can exist independently from you, but you can't exist independently from me. Exactly. I can do things without you. Mm. Wow. But you can't do anything without me. Yeah. Is what he tells us. So exactly without it. me, you can do nothing. Yeah. That's what he's saying. I can do all these things without your help. Yeah. Listen, I, for, for the people out there, God does not need you. Mm-hmm. He wants you. He wants you. But he doesn't need you. Yeah. There's a difference. God, he exists independently. Whether you believe in him or not, right. doesn't change the fact or the truth that he exists. And he can do without you. Yeah. But he'd rather do with you. Yeah. And he's saying this, look, everything you need comes from me, like you were saying, mm-hmm. right? What a cool thing about that is once we get that understanding, then we recognize that the things that don't come from him, no matter how much it pays, wow. no matter how good it looks mm-hmm. uh, for you unmarried folks, no matter how good he or she looks, if if it doesn't come from the vine, yeah. it's not for you. Amen. And this is one way to rob you of your peace is when you start picking things from a different vine. Mm. You start to pull things from a different vine. That's one thing that will rob you of your peace. As long as you're pulling from the true vine, yeah, for him to say, I am the true vine, yeah. tells you there are other vines out there. Yeah, He says, I am the true vine. As long as you're pulling from the true vine, then you'll have peace. Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. And I thinking about pulling from that true vine is all I can see as you're talking is, you know, the flow of the vine into the branch. And there's, and you're thinking about that, there's nutrients that flow. And all I can see in that is the bloodline. I, I simply sure. see the blood flowing from the vine to the branch, the nutrient flow of his blood. And and I want to bring out a very popular scripture, Isaiah 53, 12. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. We quote this strip scripture and quote this scripture so often. But I want to take a look at the chastisement of our peace portion. It, that chastisement means with blows, both physically and with words. So anything you can endure in the physical, anything that comes against you word-wise to chastise your peace, maybe what people are saying about you, what they're not saying about you, maybe, maybe what you heard, maybe what you read, maybe what the news is telling you, with words, the chastisement of his peace, he took that. He shed his blood so that you can have peace. He took that chastisement so you can have peace. The power of the blood, there's nothing that defeats the blood. And the power of the blood and what he paid for you through the blood, it is an atrocity almost not for you to not accept it. So the truth of the matter is this, you you as a believer, it is your right to live in peace. Yeah. That is a right that you have. Um, Yeah. You deserve as a believer to live in peace, not because of who you are, but because of who he is and what he has accomplished. And you've come under the skirt of that. 
Mm. As a believer, you come under the skirt of that and you deserve to live in peace. So for you not to walk in peace, for you not to live in peace, for you not to be in peace, it really is an atrocity. It's one of those gifts. It's one of those things that he's given us. Not that we had to work for. We've mentioned that before. You're probably going to hear it again. We didn't have to work for this peace. It's just a gift. It's it's his nature to be good. And because he's good, he says, you know what? I'm going to give you this too. Not just salvation. I'm going to give you this too. Yeah. You know, not just healing. I'm I'm going to give you this this too. And he just keeps giving, keeps giving, keeps giving. So it is your right as a believer to live in peace and for you not to do so. It really is. It's it's tragic. I keep hearing as you're talking, talking, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so when you think about the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, they're not, they're not fleshly, but they are mighty and peace is mighty. And I keep seeing like the Lord saying, listen, you, you don't underestimate my peace. Don't underestimate my peace. My peace is so powerful. It'll calm the storm. My peace is so powerful. I am sleep. Jesus was sleep on a boat. He was sleep on a boat when everybody else was in turmoil. The storm in the natural was literally sinking the boat. It says the waves were coming in the boat. <laughs> so that's not a good thing. We don't want waves in a boat. No. So waves were coming in the boat. Jesus is down below sleeping. He said, but, but don't underestimate the power of my peace. He stood up and he said, peace be still peace be still he spoke to the situation and he released his peace into the situation and everything around him everything pertaining to him had to come into alignment of peace why because he was carrying that peace what he carried he could release that's right and what i I like about that peace be still going back digging through that studying it out it, it said i know we say he quieted the storm but it's it's the way it almost plays out in, in that ancient Hebrew language, he hushed the storm. Mm-hmm. So it was more like he was saying, shh, which I love. Mm. I love that. Yeah. You know, that's authority right there. My goodness. Yeah. He just, just quieted the storm with just that, with a gesture almost, you know? Yeah. And I, I absolutely love everything around him just had to be quiet. And, and even disciples like who, who, what kind of man is this that even the waves and the wind obey him, you know, just by a shush. Why? Because he was in perfect peace and he, and he could use that at any time. You made a great point. The peace that was on the inside of him, he used that to quiet the things that were on the outside of him Mm -hmm. because he was in perfect peace. Why was he in perfect peace? Because he had full trust in the father. Amen. Amen. That's why full trust in the father. There was no wavering with Jesus. There was no what ifs. There was no, uh, I'm only hoping that God's going to do or hoping that God's going to rescue me or right. hoping that God, no, there was a full trust that everything that God said he was, he was, and everything God said he would do, he would do. There was no wavering with Jesus. And I believe once we get to that point and I, and I want to say this, the places where you have peace in your life are the places where you fully trust God in your life. I was, yes, that was my next point. Yeah, that yeah. is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining Troy and I as we journey under the fig tree.